0: Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on
1: Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody. And welcome to this week's Grow Guides from High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from Growroom.com. This week, we're talking about the later days of the flowering stage of cannabis plants life cycle. We talk about what to feed the plant, what to expect, what to look out for, bud rot and hermes and things like that. Just things to try and help you get through the flowering stage with less problems. And if you do have problems, how to get around them. Of course, we have some questions in the Q&A section towards the end of the show. So stay tuned for those as well. Uh, And if you have any questions, of course, just head over to persysgrowroom.com, sign up to the forum and we'll be able to help you out with any questions that you might have next week we'll be discussing harvesting a plant how to tell when the plant is ready for harvest how to prepare for it how to actually harvest the plant and how to be well prepared for the actual harvesting stage having the right scissors having the right equipment you need to for a successful harvesting period but for now here is part nine of the grow guides the later days of flowering stage i hope you enjoy and i'll catch you at the end of the show see you then yes yes so this week we're going to carry on with the grow guide series i think this is episode nine of grow guides now it's episode eight or episode nine and we're going to be talking about the later stages of the well the later days of the flowering stage of the cannabis plant so last week we discussed the early stages identifying the sex uh, what to feed the plant what what to do before transplanting if you're going to transplant all that kind of stuff to get you through the early days and now we're going to be going from mid flower up until the end of flower and what you can do to have the best environment for the plant what to feed the plant what to do if you find any mold any defoliation any tips or tricks that we might have that would benefit your growth so uh TG, you wasn't here last week so you want to talk about some of this stuff man you I say we're in the mid flower how long would you say on average does it take for a cannabis plant to go from the flowering stage to the harvest stage
2: variable question that's
1: really depending on the genetics Mm -hmm.
2: so but on average for most you know typical home growers um who aren't like psychos about like i need this old haze that's only old timers first cut and all that shit most of them i would say eight to nine weeks Mm -hmm. um you're looking at some of them maybe a bit longer you get into the the super narrower silver. leaf yeah the yeah, super silver hay is actually a great great example you can get like i said into up upwards 22 weeks you know some really long flower and even perpetual flowering if you get into the equatorial thailand shit but that's again that's a no you know not for new growers really or any growers unless you're into that because it's it's a big commitment so yeah eight to nine weeks i would say maybe up to 11 for the longer ones mm-hmm that you typically see on the market now.
1: Because most of them are hybrid nowadays, isn't it? So the mix in between yeah. the sativa indica thing, which I know you hate that terminology, but it's the best <laughs> way to describe it, it in, this yeah. way, in this sense.
2: Everybody knows what you mean for sure. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yep. You, you would find if you're having an indica dominant plant, then you, you're looking at a shorter flowering period. And if you're looking for a sativa dominant plant, you're looking for a long Flowering period, and some of them sativa dominant can go like twenty weeks, can't they? What was that um, yeah. Acapulco Gold? How that's a real long one, and eighteen um, weeks, me.
0: Well, the Barney's Farm version of Acapulco Gold is actually pretty short. I think it's like a nine-week strain. Hmm. That that's a that's a different hybrid of it. But yeah, the yeah, original, yeah. the original was somewhere like yeah. You know, start looking around eighteen weeks, and keep on looking until you're happy with it. What are those? Mm-hmm.
2: Doctor Grinspoon by Barney's is a famously long flowering weirdly weird looking sativa i guess if you want to call it that i hate that but you know (laughs) um yeah you can get really long ones old timers haze that's a classic really long flowering uh you know upwards of 18 weeks even Mm. but those those plants generally give you a lot more different tastes and flavors and almost like a psychedelic type high compared to the more like sedative almost like you know the highs that people experience between what we call sativa and indica are not very varied, to be honest. When especially when you group them in with with those long flowering ones, because um, the, the Afghani influence on everything those that really thick, short, musky, earthy type shit that that's in a lot of a lot of genetics. You know, that's that's kind of the the g or the archetype for the short, stocky, fat leafed, fast, fast flowering plant. So. And we do see that, like you said, in in a lot of hybrids, um, it's it's buried in there somewhere. And most growers and breeders have been breeding for quick flowering for obvious reasons, you know, illicit illicit reasons. You know, the quicker you can get shit out, the better. So, yeah, but eight to nine weeks <laughs> is the answer to the question.
1: <laughs> About seventy days, isn't it? Yeah, seventy yeah, days absolutely. seems to be a a good estimate.
2: Okay. It's like a little bit over nine weeks, but yeah, I wouldn't go past seventy for most. Most of mine.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So yours is in the living soil as well, right? It's your living soil grower. You don't add anything to feed the plant during the flowering period to your soil? No.
2: Uh, well, Epsom salts, if I do see any deficiencies, but generally they make it right till the end
1: with just uh, properly pH water. Yeah, That's the same for you as well, I think, Marge.
3: Yeah, it is. Yeah.
1: But GB, you use canna right? Yep. What would you do towards uh, like in the mid flower towards the end? Do you change your nutrients up at all? Um, I do, I, I change them up, but I leave it for
4: about when I start seeing the flowers coming through. Um, normally leave it for about a week and a half, two weeks, kind of when, when I'm happy with looking at them, and then I add in a bit of pk, I add in low mm-hmm. because I feed every day and I build it up gradually. So I, I'd start in at maybe. 0.5 a milliliter and then after two days I'd, I'd up it a bit and up it a bit um, and then I'd, I'd feed that for about two weeks and then I'd start lowering it down mm-hmm. you know, it's just to give it a bit of the, the, the added potassium or uh, potassium and not,
1: nitrogen is it no phosphorus phosphorus that's it yeah. sorry
4: yeah yeah just add the, the extra bit in just to mm-hmm. give it a, a bit of bulk into the buds you know? what about you monkey what do you do
0: Uh, Pretty much similar to that. Now, of course, I'm using a different nutrient system. The one I'm using is an advanced nutrient system. And in the Sensi cocoa formula, that's two separate bottles for for grow and two separate bottles for bloom. So super simple in this scenario um, Mm -hmm. is just switch to the bloom nudes. Yeah. And then, you know, the flowering curve uh, or the nutrient flowering curve seems to be that Early on, you're pretty much going to be where you wanted to be, right toward the end of uh, eec wise, as, as uh, toward the end of edge, and then you want to start ramping that up to mid flower, adding the PK like like GB says, and raising that that uh, nutrient levels a little bit. Then after after you reach that mid flower stage, you know you can kind of look at the flowers and not drinking as much or things like that. Then it's time to start tapering the, the nutrients back down. So and you do the,
4: Do you do a flush? then monkey at the end
0: i well at the end i don't do a flush i just stop feeding and i'm just feeding water i mean just so yes yeah, uh, so as, 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 you know, as far as flushing this everything out first no i don't do that i basically just stop feeding them let them use everything that's in the pot mm-hmm. and that's for like the last two weeks of, of grow I'm, I'm when i start looking at them and uh, classic signs, the buds will start showing little bits of color around them. Every strange difference. Some little, little glints of red or gold will show up some up with a little purple. Something will happen. That's kind of showing you that the plant's going to be starting to get toward the end. And that's when I'll go ahead and start tapering out my nutrients and, uh, we're and toward the end the last two weeks before harvest is just going to be water. But I'm not, I don't flush. Like I said, it takes about a week. If you don't flush for everything to get used out that pot. And then you'll be on, on pure water after that.
1: See for the people who might not know, flushing is where you just add a lot of water to your medium to flush out any nutrients that's in there and then just give the plant water for the rest of the growth. So no food is just yeah. going to be having water. And this apparently breaks down any salts inside the plant that might make the smoke harsh and things like that. But there's debate around that as well.
0: Yeah, and I've never really done a, a head-to-head, you know, grow the same same cut two ways i mm-hmm. guess that's something that somebody should really around the forum should do i know other people have done it Reports yeah, have to, are varied. there was
2: a paper done here in canada on that exact mm-hmm. topic and they did analyze it with uh, like whatever gcms or hplc whatever they use and they didn't find any difference between flushed and non-flushed plants actually mm-hmm. there's john stemmer at the university of guelph in 2019 i believe if you're interested google that
0: well i would be curious uh, did they also put it a uh, blind taste test up to you know yeah. set regular smokers could anyone tell the difference mm-hmm.
1: yeah interesting yeah, that was the, only one study too so you know. the cure is more important apparently curing the cannabis properly and, right. and drying it properly you can't dry it too fast it Has to be dried at the right pace and then cured afterwards as well but I've, I've done crops where i've not flushed and flushed and tried it out and there's no difference really I don't,
4: I don't, flush in general. Mm-hmm. You know. But
1: we'll discuss flushing in the is it uh we we'll, in the next episode maybe, or should we do at the end of this? I don't know.
0: Well, yeah, is part
4: we're... of the flowering stage? Yes, yeah, supposed that be for the harvest then.
0: But yeah, you know, yeah. you talk, while we're are talking here about what to feed a flowering cannabis plant, uh, you know, and, and you're into the flush part here, I've found though growing in cocoa, that an overfed cannabis plant can produce very harsh herb. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. You really want to be careful with, with what you're but, feeding the But that's because
1: uh, that's because it gets a lot of nitrogen put into mm-hmm. it, and you'll see that it's got darker leaves, and that won't break down so well during the drying and the, the curing. Right. So, so yeah. over
0: overfed weed is not really the best weed. Mm-hmm, you really mm-hmm. want to be careful with you feed it the right amount, and, and uh, depending on your medium. Now, of course, if you if you're following TG's uh, famous super soil recipe, you don't have to worry about that because the microbes will handle that for you, right, yeah. TG? I tell people <laughs> <laughs>
2: they do they do they're helpful
1: i mean where were we um yeah so what we feed in the plants we give it the pk for a while is there anybody use any of them you, you know when it comes to the flush and you got what, what's it called a flawless finish or
2: anything yeah, like that that's towards what, the end when
0: i'm sledgehammer flawless My booster
2: finish. shit right no mm.
0: so, that's uh you're talking about the flush stuff or the the extra little sweeteners which ones you're talking about
1: But when it comes to the the flushed, flawless finish and shit like that. Uh, Yeah, I mean,
0: that's usually a lot of that stuff is just like yucca extract, really. And Mm -hmm. all it really Mm -hmm. does is just, it's like a surfactant. It basically just cleans all the stuff out of your media. No, I used to use it uh, since I think I'm happier now doing it the way I'm doing it. And that is to start feeding water a little earlier and just let them use what's in the pot. It seems to be a little more gentle on the plants and they kind of coast into the finish better.
2: You guys just cut it and like when you, if you do flush, you just cut it like at two weeks you stop feeding entirely, or do you weigh it down on the feed until there's nothing left in the water?
4: No, well oh. that's what that's what I would class, I would class as the, the final flush is that you just stop feeding and you just feed water for the week and you allow it to to take the nutrients that is right. left over there to gradually build it down until there's right. nothing coming out. That's what I class as a flush. I know Mackie was saying different.
1: Well, there's you got the flush where you just want to get rid of a shitload of nutrients in the medium because it's got salt buildup or it's been yeah, overfed. yeah, that will be the minute right, that so. will be
4: a mid, a, a mid flower flush as well. Yeah, yeah I would yeah. class that as mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and then you have uh, the flush at the end, which you do that main flush still. You, you'd get three say your pot's 10 liters in volume, you'd get 20 30 liters of water, flush that through the the pot medium, the pot and the medium until the EC was coming out very low, so it's removed all the salts. And, but what would happen then is you get, like, the osmosis shit where the, the salts that are built up in the liquids in the plant would force their way into the medium again. So you want to flush again after that and try and wash out them salts and just keep letting the, the plant push out the salts from itself back into the medium so you can flush it out again. So it, like, starves itself and also flushes out old food. So you've done your main one and then over the the next week, 10 days, you're just doing smaller ones, but you didn't need, you don't need so much, but you want to be getting runoff with every time you water the plant. That's Hmm. a proper flush like that.
0: No, I do that at the end. because with cocoa, you always want a little bit of runoff. So every Mm -hmm. day I am getting a mini flush happening, Mm -hmm. but, but over the course of, you know, four, 10 to 14 days, that's just happening quite a bit. So I'm reasonably sure the media, so if you, clear
3: if you don't,
1: if you're not overfeeding the plant and the plant's had a healthy life, then I don't think there's any reason to be flushing it at all. If it has we'll a salt buildup and, and it has problems, then yeah, flush it, but feed the plant right to the end. Because as Frenchy said, there's going to be a, a certain time when the plant and Swami also said the same thing. You know, it's like you know, the plant is telling you, Yo, can you chop me down now, please? I'm kind of done. And you mm. don't want to just look at your watch and be like, oh, but you've only been flushing for five days and be concerned about it. It's like, the plant's Uh-oh. fucking dumb, man. See,
2: plants are a lot like people, you know? As people age and get older, they stop eating as much and as mm-hmm, mm-hmm. varied. And, you know, same with plants. Yep. I That's how I tell my plants they are done. When I'll be watering like normal, like I have been the entire grow, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden the plant is, like, still heavy the next day. And I'm like, oh, okay, the roots are slowing down then. They're not drinking mm-hmm. as much anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not transpiring as much because the leaves are dying off you know senescence is a natural right. part of the plant's life unless it's put right. back triggered back into revege, right through you know 24 hours of light or whatever the fuck you want to do but yeah plants naturally die annual the cannabis is an annual at the end of all things and annuals don't go you know they don't continue
1: to grow exactly. so
2: they have a, an end point and that's what this is so yeah
1: but I mean, there's, some, there's some dreaded things that might happen during the flowering stage, which you have to be looking out for at all times. One of them is a hermy, where the plant might grow male parts, spread pollen, and pollinate your buds, and you'll get seeds in your buds. And then there's also mold and powdery mildew as well. Of course, there's bugs to be scared of, but you, that's uh, not so much of a concern as the other things, I don't think. But uh, the closer you get till the end, the less
2: concerned the bugs are and mm-hmm, shit too. Mm-hmm. But, but mold, always a concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yep. And something you need to be able to look out for just so your buds don't go fucking tits up. Make sure you've always got a fan blowing across your buds. It's, of course, when you're going indoors, this is outdoors, it has the wind. But if you do get a, a big rainstorm outdoors and the plant isn't covered during flower, then make sure you go out then shake off any big droplets of leaves, uh, droplets of water off the leaves just to try and prevent it from happening but indoors you always want a fan blowing out your buds to make sure there's no stale air it doesn't get too humid around the buds because mold will start to form if you're not if you're not careful especially in the big buds too mm-hmm. it's a bitch my
2: picture there hey that's mold that's what you don't want Ugh. fucking yeah. gross
1: and you know it, it, I mean, you can't see the pictures on the audio bit in the podcast but um oh, yeah. it's Sorry. it pretty much looks like mold you know like mold looks like this it's
0: white like fuzzy,
2: fuzzy
1: stuff.
2: fucking
0: chip. white cottony fuzzy mm. junk with some leaves that are dying back and turning brown right there and yeah, yeah you it
3: just doesn't look right What's...
0: yeah and if you pinch it with your fingers it's kind of soft and gooey and cottony mm. yeah, yeah. yeah. you know it's not good at that point
1: pictures over at percy's grow room if you want to see those
0: <laughs> yep post your own pictures over there we'll tell you it's rolled or not
1: but keeping the right environment in the grow tent will prevent these things, it, it, like um, to prevent the mold, uh, the, the mold and the bud rot, because it's it's a because you get powdery mildew, which is a kind of mold that gets on the buds and the leaves and shit, and you also get your bud rot, and they both can be avoided just by having good air circulation and the right temperatures in the grow room in the first place. You now keep the humidity down uh, between forty-five and fifty-five percent. That'll massively reduce the amount of chance of, of mold for or, or bud rot starting off on the buds. Oh, uh, but then the hermy thing, this is where the trouble comes in, right? Yeah, we, we've yeah. all had hermy crops before, isn't it? I've had hermy crops.
2: I had one in my last big one, yep.
4: I don't think any, any grower out there that hasn't had a fucking hermy. What do
1: you say, Marsh?
3: I've never had one.
1: Ooh. Oh, Skills must be nice. Yeah. Must
4: be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't that I never had a hair me up until the last, not not the last grow the one
0: prior to that, mm-hmm. and that yeah, that was no more a mistake. It
3: probably yeah. means oh. i So that's not good.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're not always the end of the world though. No,
3: mm-hmm. well, it's oh, it's
4: still smokable But That's the thing. Even if it has seeds and if you
2: if they're not good, Noise my make cash. Drew. Well, that's not really,
4: all mine, man. I just picked ha- seeds
2: out of it. Timing I is super important with Hermes, you know. Like if I don't know you guys can't see on the audio version of my picture, but this is a picture of some jack hair that I grew. You it's remember when hair. we did that grow off and mm-hmm. everybody had those problems with the nanners? Yeah, yeah. This is that. So these ones were just popping out of the top, and this is maybe like six weeks into flower. So for me, this was no big deal. I just popped them out. Um, mm-hmm. and even if they did open up those the stigma at this point are not super fertile anymore and and even more importantly there's not even enough time for the seeds to really you know mature and stuff so Mm -hmm. you're probably not going to lose a lot of weight and energy in seed production if you did have an issue like that where you want to watch out is kind of like mid like early on late flower i guess right when we at the transition period maybe like four to six well around four to five weeks yeah if you start popping shit out then then you might have an issue
1: so, yeah, but yeah. Like you this, said, it... this can often be caused by light leaks and it, light leaks will cause those nanas to grow most likely. That's why yeah. you, you'd find it indoors for quite often. If, if the dark period is interrupted too many times and it just has an irregular light cycle, the plant or, or there's other stresses as well, but it's most likely to do with the, the, the light cycles. The plant will get confused at what time of year it is. And it needs to make seeds in order to pass on its genetics to the next generation in the new growth grow season. So it will produce some male parts to spit out some pollen to make the seed so it can pass its genetics onto the new year. Yeah, it can be down to uh, it can be down to a bad genetics. This is why we always say go with a good seed bank, a reputable seed bank and breeder who have got a good reputation. Because this is less likely to happen when it's been bred out and make sure that the genetics are really stable. But even the best genetics can hurt me if it's under the wrong conditions. So you just have to be very careful, especially with light leaks. So now if you do find any of these bananas and they just they look like uh, thick pistols, if you like, or they look like actual bananas, especially when they open, they open up like in in five Mm -hmm. bits and spit pollen about place.
0: A little tiny bananas about what maybe four millimeters long
1: mm-hmm. i mean they're called bananas for a reason they look like bananas you know they just try and look out yeah. for those and if you do see them like tg said then you can just pinch them off but uh before you do that just spray a little bit of water on them so just uh when you pick it off that will help keep the pollen in the pollen won't move if it's wet and heavy so just water spray a little bit pollen up, they, it destroys pollen
2: so yeah if you wet pollen, it's it ruins it, which is good in this case. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you gotta be careful picking them off. And like the one I have in my picture, you can see is growing out of the top of a bud. Those ones to me are a lot less severe than ones that are hanging out of the bottoms of the nodes where Mm. you'd you'd have new growth because those ones literally will open up like a little like upside down umbrella kind of thing and then just shit pollen fuck. That's what happened to me, like you said, from a light leak. Uh, my, my god but i run is fairly unstable in that sense so any interruption is they're just like nope we're fucking oh shit you know and then they hey, hurry hmm. so um yeah that happened and i got a bunch of seeds out of it and you lose vigor and stuff too mm-hmm. in the in the growth so not ideal
1: so uh, as the plant goes through i mean the longer the flowering period is the more chance there is of something fucking up and going wrong so if you're a new grower it's good to try and have something which is indica dominant because it will be finished quicker have like a eight to ten week flowering period and then you can get your shit finished and you can have your buds by then but if you've got another six weeks to go after that if you go growing a heavy sativa it's going to be less likely that something's going to go wrong you know you get these big juicy colas growing it'll be hard to keep the, the environment the same for that amount of time there can be problems so if you're a new grower t- stick to something that's got the short flowering cycle that will help out a lot for a nice cheese it will always do good
0: you know what I'm saying? <laughs> favorite.
1: yeah so what kind of temperature and humidity you will hold in your tent what you said what you say Marge? what do you have what temperatures and humidity do you keep your plants at in flower
3: uh, <laughs> it's very unscientific and it's probably just whatever my house is at
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so that's the short answer because so i'm yeah. doing the micro grow and i just have them in the closet and mm-hmm. That's whatever my house is at. Just one reason why I like the micro grow because it's uh, so easy.
0: Just easy, yeah.
3: A lot of ways. Less stress. It is a lot less stress, yeah, yeah.
0: What do you say, monkey? Flowering. Well, I'll start the flowering period with the same temperatures in veg, but as as it starts maturing, I'm dropping the temperatures. I'll finish my flowering cycle with the lights on, temperature somewhere around. 70 to 75 fahrenheit and i would normally have that about five degrees fahrenheit higher in veg and nighttime temperatures in flower i like to drop them down a little bit more maybe to 60 fahrenheit at night um this lets me i don't know, the buds tend to get nice and tight and very uh very dank if, if i keep the temperatures mm. a little colder toward the end of flower you say,
2: T.J.? Nice colors
0: yeah good yeah. colors too
2: uh yeah for me, I'm uh in in veg I usually run, you know, around fifty-five and then I drop at about ten percent for flour. Ideally I'm at forty-five percent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, forty to forty-five. But being in Saskatchewan where it's like drier than like almost anywhere, I'm usually at around twenty percent, <laughs> which I mean isn't bad because I also have uh, five tenths in my room so the heat gets pretty hot but heat heat and dry actually i've read um and maybe experienced i don't know because i've never grown not this way to have the other side to compare to right but um brings out some more resonance stuff uh because the plant just is like fuck it's dry we need to protect ourselves better i guess i don't know so yeah, I'm I'm usually sitting around like 20, 25%. I mean, the, the tents are usually really full, so they're transpiring a lot, which helps to keep the humidity up. But yeah, maybe 30% um, in, in the wintertime, which is the time where I grow the most. And then temperature-wise, yeah, sitting around. Ideally, I'm at 24 to 25, but usually I'm up around 28 mm-hmm. Celsius, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, that's like maybe low, just under 80 fahrenheit i think something like that
4: mm-hmm.
2: and then my nighttime temperatures go down to maybe 18 17 depending on if i forget the window open 15 you know <laughs> so
1: yeah what about you gb you struggle with high humidity
4: and yeah my humidity is pretty high and i just found it fucking too hard to fucking tackle it so i just don't really bother to be fair Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Ignorance t- is bliss. <laughs> yeah. Now what you see is I set up. Um, uh, I it's normally in around the, the sixty to fifty. Um, normally on the lower end to be fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got around about making the heat box, outside. So I, I haven't tested it, lately because I only have the one hydro or ink board. Um, and I don't have many hydrometers because everyone I had was just shite when they all broke. But, um, yeah, no, normally I use a dry I have a small little dryer and I draw the air through that forced, and mm. um, with a small heater element in that. And then that goes into a tent and then that into another tent. But, um, yeah, no, so it tends to, to keep it kind of in and around that.
1: Yeah, no, I'm like Marge. Mine's just uh, around where my house is. I don't do anything serious to try and change the temperature and shit like that. It's always... About twenty something in my house, mm. so it's usually okay. I don't. I, I used to check it quite a lot, but it really don't make a difference. Uh, so what I've noticed in a small home growth setup like this, you know, it's always around the the right kind of temperature. It's around. I mean, you suppose I like to try and keep it at twenty six when I checked my temperature, and I've seen no difference since I've stopped checking. So maybe it's still around twenty six. Don't even know, but yeah, you just don't check anymore. Just let the plants do their thing. It's going to
0: adapt pretty well to a, a really wide range of whatever yeah, you throw yeah.
1: at them. At Actually, the temperatures,
4: I always keep, keep right. The temperature is always, I keep it up around 27 degrees mm-hmm. with lights on. And then with lights off, I like to drop it down to around 24, yeah. maybe down to about 22. And then like monkey for the last two, three weeks, I Ooh drop man. it. I drop even yeah. the, the day temperatures down. I drop the the lights down to maybe around 20, 24, 25 but lights on. And then I drop it down to, to below to around 18, 19. Mm. Yeah. Or, um, to, and that really brings out the, the colors in it.
0: Yeah, the colors. And I think it also brings up the terps. You know, the terpenes aren't evaporating at that low temperatures in there. And I find when I harvest I mean, the room really reeks for a lot longer after I harvest those those coal plants. Yeah. Right
4: see, I even tried to do this. Oh, uh, we leave a series. That's for a different topic.
0: So, Mackie, we've been talking all about temperature and humidity and stuff like that, and you know, we ought to tie this in with bud rot because humidity right there in that late flower stage is where that's where we got to worry about that bud rot with mm-hmm. that humidity.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I mean, you really want to be low, and when you're in late flower and those colors are getting heavy and are nice and dense. And you start seeing those fan leaves start turning yellow and maybe start shriveling. You need to have your humidity down nice and low in that tent, yeah, yeah. somewhere forty percent or lower, mm-hmm. uh, because that you're you in prime conditions right there for bud rot to start with all all that beautiful beautiful vegetable matter sitting right there.
1: Yep, and you, you don't want to find it. Brian said here that he's never had bud rot, but you know you will one day, Brian. It comes oh, all yeah, of I used I oh, used God, to say wood. that. <laughs> I used to
4: say that too. Again,
1: it's,
2: opens the- <laughs> it's so fucked because you can't salvage it at all No,
0: like, mm-hmm. and, and, and you sometimes just, you don't even know you have it till after you chop and you're sitting there trying to trim away stuff and it's like oh man I didn't even see yeah. this
2: and that and can be the
1: same with seeds as well you didn't even know until you, you trim it, and then there's seeds
0: in the fucking bud you know what the fuck it is? can't happen Yes.
2: The, the thing with rot too is it's always in the biggest best bud obviously oh, and the yeah.
0: most dense beautiful spot in that bud too mm-hmm. the
3: nice beautiful colas are the ones that typically have it
0: Tell me about I it.
4: had to draw I, I threw a, a whole stem away mm-hmm. because of board rot. And it was it fucking killed me because it was the the, the best bud, like you said.
0: No, that's what's gonna happen. It's gonna it's gonna attack the densest, heaviest buds first, usually. You know.
2: It's pretty balance. big what is, you know, these are fungal spores that are just flying around. Where So that's why it's important to keep your grow room as clean as possible. Filter the incoming air if you can, which nobody can unless you're a psycho. But, <laughs> you know, don't come in directly from outside working in the garden or mowing the grass and go directly to your tent. Shit mm-hmm. like that. Keep your place clean and airflow, like we've said many times
1: now. Um,
2: yeah, because bud rod is the worst.
3: Yeah, I'm but it really is, isn't it? Bridges.
1: It is, like, the worst thing you can find on your crop. I mean, you find spider mites, you can get rid of them, you can clean them. All the bugs, you can clean them and get rid of them, but when it comes to bud rot... Oh, you're fucked. It's game All over, you, man.
0: All you do is you start cutting and trimming until you find clean bud, and you still got to go a little bit further to past pass that even to get it. But, yeah, yeah. you got to throw it out. There's no way to get around it.
4: And And most importantly, if you do come across rot when you're trimming or anything... Make sure you either clean your scissors very well Or fucking change them Because you don't <laughs> want to get any of that shit Further down the line
3: mm-hmm.
2: That is man It's
4: mm. big big important Yeah very important So it's always it's always a good idea to have a couple of scissors Yeah you know, With you when, when you're going into a trim Because they do They, they kind of blunt out a bit as well mm-hmm. But again that's for
1: another topic Yeah that's for next week I think Yes Harvest time next week
0: Yeah
1: what, these colors as well. We spoke about colors briefly there. What kind of because some strains are more likely to display different colors towards the end of the uh towards the end of their growth cycle, but that can also be brought out by putting uh, putting them in colder conditions, right? Yeah.
4: No. Well, that's. A, I I was told that by a, a friend of mine that's a grower, and he was saying that like it's, he drops his down even to like fourteen degrees
1: yeah below 15 is supposed to really uh, get it kicking off the
2: thing though is is unless the plant is predisposed to produce that it's not going right. to do it even if you you know drop it to minus 100 yeah, so some,
0: some plants you know the yeah. green ones i think the ones uh, i've tried to force purple into that aren't you know going to go that way they'll usually turn yellow yeah. or something like that they won't go purple for you
2: and some just cool. go purple no, like i've I've flowered it like i said 28 celsius yeah. And I've had my God bud. My God bud goes reliably black, like no matter what temperature it is. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there are ones that just do that. Yeah,
0: I've had some Kush do that. Yeah, just for no reason, everything else is green, and the whole plant just at the end turns black. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah,
2: the chlorophyll kind of gets uh, stops being so because chlorophyll is a really dominant molecule in the leaves that's why they look green obviously but once that kind of wanes off you get those expressions of the other the flavonoids mainly anthocyanin is the purple pigmented one and it's just yeah it's just like in fall in the in the leaves Mm -hmm. of trees you know you get those beautiful colors the reds and shit Mm -hmm. so yeah same thing
0: now you don't have to chase these in cannabis the only reason we chase them is it kind of gives the bud a nice bag appeal. It, yeah. It's pretty. I mean, come on, this is a hobby. We want to do it because this is what we like to do. But you don't right. have to chase colors.
2: Who doesn't like growing pretty plants? So yeah. it's a, it's a, I have god to say grows. the
4: only reason why I bought the fucking the space needle the the god space needle was because its bright bright pink flowers come you out. I mean?
0: yeah. That's common. I mean, so many growers around purses, you'll see all the time they'll buy the best looking but in the catalog and i i, I do the same thing i mean sometimes mm. you see it it's hard not hard to resist it with some of those pictures but we all know that some of those pictures are not real mm. you know, enhanced salt. colors or things
2: i mm. grain of salt but yeah mm-hmm. oh
0: it is always
4: with a grain of salt but even if you get a tinge of it it's nicer to have even a tinge of nicer color
2: yeah. Just a plain yeah. old... it's in a lot of stuff. You know, like my stuff that I bred, the, the eight four seven two and the crystalline the cutest they all do it reliably, like without any temperature swings. Um, at least in my experience growing it. And everybody that sends me pictures, they're just like this, you know how in in the intervenal areas of the leaflet, like you have that center vein and then it, it branches mm-hmm. off into the the side veins. In mm-hmm. between those, that's what turns purple, but it doesn't ever hit the vein. That's like my favorite leaf. Color configuration, and those ones do it. It's it's beautiful, beautiful.
4: Oh, I got some lovely colors with the A four seven two. To be fair,
1: yeah. But there's some uh, other stuff that we should cover as well. Before, um, if you get bugs or anything, it's best not to spray anything onto your buds ever. Oh yeah. Especially if you're growing indoors. I mean, we said earlier about spraying the pollen just a little bit of water on that bud where the uh if there's a banana in it you're taking the banana or i spray a bit of water you know that'll be fine but just make sure you keep the fan on it to make that water evaporate faster you want it to be gone before you really take the uh the fan off it completely because any water can easily turn into a mold spot and begin Mm -hmm. to grow mold high humidity can do that when when the condensation lands upon your leaves shit like that but that will evaporate hopefully when the fan's on it but if you spray your plant with pesticides or any kind of feed because sometimes you can foliar feed the plant shit like that that's just going to get onto your buds and can encourage or will infect it with heavy metals or shit you don't want in your buds in the first place so once the flowers start to grow on your plants don't spray it with anything all the feeding should be going through the through the medium
0: That's that's right yeah there's Nothing. some companies out there that'll tell you you can spray things on buds, but we do not recommend it. Like no. Mackie said, we don't even recommend water. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. no. you know, like you know, I have hard water here in in my house, and even if I spray that, just plain old water, it's going to leave big ass white deposits from the mm-hmm. you know the the mineral salts, the calcium carbonate, and shit that's in there. Right. So why why wouldn't the same thing happen with uh, mm-hmm. something else? You know. Dry, the water dries out and evaporates, and it leaves the thing. So maybe it goes away with the water, but maybe it doesn't. I, I would never take that risk. So, don't spray as flour. Very good advice. Yeah.
1: All right. Is there anything yeah. else that we're missing here from the flowering stage? I mean, mm. uh, just feed the plant as much as it can until it stops eating, and then you know you can flush it when it comes to the last two weeks, especially if you're growing in with salt-based nutrients. Then you can flush if you want to. We'll sort of cover that next week in the harvest. Uh, you know, just keep the plant happy, man. Keep uh, the decent temperatures around 26 degrees Celsius. What's that about? Uh, 76 in uh, Fahrenheit.
2: Yeah. Uh, you want to keep it as healthy as possible because mm-hmm. this is the time when your secondary metabolite production is at its peak, aka the resin and the THC and the TCBD and the THCV, all that shit. So if your plant is at peak, strength it's going to be like pumping out as much as genetically possible which is what you want especially if you're running fire ass genetics so which we all are of course so yeah health is like why wouldn't you know you don't just you want to be healthy all the time everybody does everything does so yeah, you
0: know, Keep your plants very healthy and in it's, and its late flowering stage. It's that last oh. two weeks is when you're going to start seeing the magic from, from healthy plants. And that's when the buds are going to start swelling and get very heavy.
2: We want to mention the UVB thing. Some I can't remember who else mentioned that earlier, but Chilbert just said that too. Because you do do that in late flower if, if you do that at all.
4: Uh, i was asking you about that um was it today or yesterday teach because i have the micro uvb yeah i was wondering when to to stick that up you were saying it's around week five or six is it
2: yeah like i i usually put it in i think it's for the last three-ish weeks um Mm -hmm. I'll, i'll put it in at least 60 centimeters above the canopy and only on during the last like of the 12 hour flower cycle probably at about hour seven to nine i'll have it come on just right at the end but not right at the end but closer to the end you know mm. what i mean for for only two hours too only two hours so yeah the uv just triggers um the plant to be like oh i should produce more resin because you don't actually it's not photosynthetically active radiation aka par but the plant does use it or use it to trigger stuff internally. So at least allegedly, that's the, that's the idea. So
1: yeah. It's like sunscreen and it? it produces more trichomes be more like sunscreen.
2: Essentially. I mean, that's, that's one of the theories for sure. Um, THC uh, and the resin just protects the, the tissue from damaging UV. So yep, yeah, do it. Works good.
1: Yeah, man. Anything else to add for flowering there then? Uh, uh, any particular way which you can increase terpenes that we should drop that one in there uh, the terpenes are what gives the bud's flavor of course yeah so don't uh, put ice on
2: your soil don't yeah do that.
1: yeah that, that that's a uh, tried work. and tested myth that one Rose jump science. off with that yes but uh, adding sure. some batch shit, some back 1 o to the medium towards the end can increase the flavor apparently you know i've tried it and it increased the flavor but that might have just been the strain
4: there, there is loads of additives and bits and pieces that you can get throughout the world. The likes of bug candy that makes you, um,
2: it's really, really hard to say
4: things. though. Yeah. the same as the, the likes of the boost. Kind of boost will make them bigger and supposedly will make it
2: more flavors. What, what we should all do is we should do experiments. You know, we can all we know how to clone, so we should. What you got to do is you take a clone, take two clones, identical genetics from the same identical mother. And then one of them you feed bud candy, one of them you don't, under the identical conditions in your tent. It would be a really easy experiment to see if it actually did anything. Right.
4: I have I have a kind of an experiment. It's they're all the
2: same seed from the seed bank out of the same pack. That I've got... is there's still too much genetic variability yeah. between seeds. Um, so see, that's can't...
3: what
4: I've I'm doing. One where I have I'm doing the can of feed that they say to use. Because yeah. I normally don't use that. I'm using one as a cocoa organic that I'm just I'm um, feeding with just water and it's still okay. It's a bit an awful lot smaller, but it's still okay. And then I have another one that I'm just feeding it the exact same as I always do. And the yeah. two in the cocoa or in the, the two that are feeding with the salts are fucking identical. There's no difference in them. And I'm feeding it like a quarter of what I'm feeding one one of the others.
2: One other thing that I do know that I've read and has been shown to increase at least terpenes, not cannabinoids, is drought stress. So Mm -hmm. withholding water, you know, more than you normally would, letting the medium dry out a bit more than you normally would. Not maybe to like droopy fucking oh shit kind of levels. But yeah, there has been a a bit of evidence to show that drought stress can uh, help increase the terpenes. But um, more research is needed on that one for sure, too. It's a good time. It's the best time because you get a smell, you know, and you're like, Ooh, I love that smell. Ooh, it smells different today.
1: And like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fucking awesome. Anything anyway, yeah. to add there, Marge? Yeah, you do you want to add anything?
3: No, I think we covered it all. I do like the, the comment about the smell because I'm in, in my office, which is where I'm housing my micro grow, and I can smell it right now and it's delightful.
1: Yeah, it's delicious, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: I love that shit, man. Oh, yeah. So there we go, everybody. That's all we have for the the end of the flowering stage. Next week, we'll cover uh, when to harvest and how to that the plant is ready for harvest and how to, to actually harvest the thing in the best way possible. Sounds like a good subject, I think. And that's everybody's favorite stage.
0: Most people's <laughs> favorite stage. I like actually the, you know, the final stage, the smoke report. Everything
1: <laughs> means you got to
2: trim it soon. It's like, oh, shit. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's why like, I like the
4: vine trimming. That's the whole thing.
2: <laughs> you don't fucking grow, like, come to grow 25 plants and see how much you yeah, like well, it. it. It's Spend a, pretty pretty a week. Yeah, fuck. the most I harvest at a time would be like fucking four max. Yeah. And I like, like, I have other shit to do, you know? So usually my harvest is take me a fucking week and it's just like, oh, I dread it so much. Yeah, I know. Whatever. A have to
0: schedule like a you know schedule a day when i want to do a and yeah
2: i'm always by myself too which kind of oh, my own fault i could ask people yeah. to help but then they want weed and i want all my weed
0: yeah i want all my 40
1: ounces
2: yeah i need it
0: my, my <laughs> missus is not going to help she just she'll help me with the smoke report but that's about it yeah yeah they all <laughs>
2: always help with that
0: one sure no problem We do have
1: a couple of questions here, though, in the chat. I don't think we got any out of the thread this weekend, uh, because the chat's gone. We've got a different chat now. So everybody, just if you have questions for the show, then drop them into the, into the listener, mail thread over on Persis, and we'll get on from there. We have some in the chat we can cover. Uh, Showing off here, he says, uh, "Devil's advocate." We had one from Marge. Did you see that one? We had way up here. I'm looking for cues now. uh, I did.
3: From Mister Wes, the host.
1: Magic butter, butter machine. Butter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, do you want to hit that one, Marge?
3: Yeah. So the question is how do you use a magical butter machine? I got a soup maker that's identical and want to use it for can of butter. Um, I don't know what the soup maker is, but the magical butter machine, I do have one, and it's basically the machine you you set the temperature, you put this, the weed and your butter, oil, whatever it is that you're putting in there, and then turn it on, and it just infuses it at that precise temperature. And it does have a thing to like agitate the stuff inside every so often. So conceivably the soup maker is probably very similar and you could probably use it for the same thing, I would think. Cause all it is really is a precise temperature set for a certain time. And like- I might even say the agitation is absolutely necessary. I have another, a couple other infusion devices that don't have that feature and it works the same.
2: Uh, the, the magic butter machine, I have one too. It's essentially just a, a weed themed immersion blender, right?
3: Okay. Yeah, like, it is like an immersion blender, the thing that mixes the stuff up, yeah, but I have as well, that it infuses same idea, but it doesn't have the the thing to yeah. add it to the material.
2: Oh, okay, Yeah. interesting. Okay. It just cooks it.
3: Yeah, I think it's more the precise temperature, at the sustained right. period of time that makes them so effective, but because essentially uh, those immersion circulators, you know, when you do water baths, that uh, cooking technique, that would be sort of the same idea as well. So repurposing the soup maker for it would probably work just fine. I would well, say,
2: I made I made garlic butter. Have you made anything like that in your magic butter?
3: Like, no, I haven't, but I don't see why you couldn't. Like you yeah. could even really technically infuse anything. Like Sounds it wouldn't have been- Cause yeah. I usually every summer I'll make like infused olive oils with um, fresh herbs and you oh. can probably use the magical butter machine to do the same thing. I do it the slow way. I just leave it on a windowsill for a couple of weeks and infuse olive oil with basil or rosemary or something, but mm-hmm. i could probably use a magical butter machine too. That's
0: a good idea. Yeah. yeah that's what, that's what all the uh, the literature in inside of the level machine is all about is in, is using other herbs because of yeah. course they <laughs> can't tell you about cannabis.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. really nice, actually. I mean, it has nothing to do with weed, but it's a nice way to enjoy your fresh garden herbs all year long.
0: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with any infused oil. It yeah. It's flavor. Yeah. Shonoff,
1: Shonoff had a question here, says uh, Devil's Advocate. What if it is a choice of bud rot or PM or spraying something that is known to be safe on the buds? Outdoor here is impossible without spraying beneficial bacteria during flower. I mean, you can spray that shit during veg and that will is preventative but um, I don't know about in flower. You can if you want to. You, well, you can... I mean,
0: what he says there, the key in his, his question is known to be safe. Mm-hmm. You know, in you know that's fine. I don't really know of anything that is safe to spray in flower on the bud. But if you do, if it's known to be safe.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to take the flavor for one. Whatever it is will take the flavor, If especially if it's later on. In the flowering period, but outdoors, if if plants get wet outdoors, they usually evaporate all the the water off by themselves, and you're not really any more susceptible to bud rot than being indoors yeah. with high humidity.
0: Really, but you know, devil's advocate, like you says, if you if it if it's either no crop or a sprayed crop, I guess, even though I wouldn't want to have to make that choice, I guess I would try to save the crop with the spray. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with I mean,
1: pm pm is different to bud rot i mean if it's bud rot then no you, you can't really spray anything to do anything afterwards you can use preventative no. which can be done during veg but with powdery and mildew you can play you can spray your plants with uh, like a milk mix uh, and that will get rid of the powdery mildew and prevent yeah, it think, from growing uh, back again
0: i think one of the outdoor growers in canada was using uh,
1: i think cody oh, was right
0: hydrogen, hydrogen peroxide on yeah that's the, an option outdoors. as well yeah yeah so yeah different things
1: yeah. yeah you know if you have to then do so but yeah try not to
0: i guess if i had to choose something to spray hydrogen peroxide would probably scare me less
1: mm. i don't know it sounds strong
0: yeah but it's, <laughs> i mean it's just an extra oxygen molecule in the water so you yeah. know
1: there's different kinds of uranium, and some of them isn't too radioactive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. right. Some <laughs> of it's enriched, right? Exactly. Try that uranium thirteen shit. <laughs>
2: 238 two thirty-five. Those are your isotopes. Yeah. Two thirty-eight, yeah.
0: two thirty-five, two thirty-five was the bad one, wasn't it? I uh, two
2: thirty-eight is the one that makes. That's the, the bomb. one that
0: goes boom. Okay.
2: Two thirty-five is the more
0: commonly a counter okay. one, which can be
2: upgraded to two thirty-eight See, 238 See? By enriching, I believe.
0: See? Bunch of bunch of freaking intellects here, stoners, talking about making, enriching uranium now. <laughs> We're definitely going to get banned from YouTube no, now. Totally.
2: You're, you're right. You It's uh, the opposite. 235 is the one. That's
0: the uh, bad one.
2: Right. right. And then 238's um, upgraded, I guess, into 235 that will now become fissile and blow shit the fuck up. Hopefully not. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Lactobacillus will prevent PM and budrat, says Chilbert
0: yeah and, and uh wasn't it was it uh it was was it steve from uh, potent Ponics was telling us how to make that so. that's right yeah go back to that episode if you want to know how to make your own like i think that one's
1: just a patreon thing isn't it and it'll be out on inter- the interview hasn't gone out, out to people yet we've got uh chris trump coming soon to explain all this shit to us
0: as well that's true so that information of how to make your very own lactobacillus will be coming
1: But I think that's about it for the questions. I don't see any more. There we go, everybody. That was part nine of the Grow Guide section. And if you have any questions, just head over to pursuitsgrowroom.com sign up to the forum start a thread and ask your questions there and we're more than happy to answer any questions you might have to have you along through your grow. next week we have part 10 it's all about harvesting the plant so we've gone through the whole growth cycle so far you should be well topped up on all the knowledge you need to grow your own plants by now and now we'll get to the harvesting stage so tune in next week for that now don't forget as well today is friday so usually we have the session but we're not going to have the same kind of session today it's seven o'clock Bonnie Goldstein will be joining us for a live Q and a about using cannabis medicine for autism and epilepsy. So we're going to go live from half six and then just talk for a while. And before Dr. Goldstein shows up, but if you're free today, then come and join us. So you can head over to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com high on homegrown. And the show starts at 7. PM GMT 11 AM PST or 2 PM EST. So if you're free this evening or this afternoon, wherever you are, then come along, join us for the show, ask some questions, and share the link with anybody who might find the information interesting as well. But that's it for this week. We'll catch you on Sunday for the live show or on Monday again for the Cannabis News and Events. I hope you have a good weekend. Hope you enjoyed the show. And stay high, stay safe, and all that. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.